This podcast is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Superb. Nobody cares. What are we doing this week? (laughs) I'm actually really excited about this week's case because I'd never heard of it before we started researching it, and it wasn't a listener suggestion or anything. What? Oh, you never not know a case, and... Especially one that like only a listener didn't respond or didn't, what is it? Request? There you go. So where did you find it? Well, after our Jane Doe episode last week with the St. Louis Jane Doe, I was looking up missing children that might be her, you know, that could possibly be her. And this case came up. So in searching for another one, you found this one. I don't think it is her, but it is possible that it's her. But I, I don't think so. But this case happened to come up and it was too interesting to not share with you. Well, I'm all ears. Let's jump right into it. All right. So this one's going to start in Labor Day 1977. Um, okay. I wasn't born yet. Neither were you. Uh, when, when is Labor Day? Is that the beginning or the end of summer? It's the end of summer. It's September. Is Fat Elvis on the Billboard hot list? Is that <laughs> no. Okay. No, but that was a good guess. Thank you. I don't I don't even know who to guess after that. Uh, Hank Jr.? Nope. I'll give you one hint. Her sister is also a famous country singer. Uh, one of the Judds. No. A little early for the Judds. I have no idea. I don't, who? Tanya Tucker? No, it's Crystal Gale. <laughs> she's she's Loretta All Lynn's right. sister. I had no idea about that. I know who Loretta Lynn is, but I don't know who Crystal Gale. I think I've yeah, heard that do. name, but yeah, I don't I don't know anything she sings. Yeah, you do. The number one song was "Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue." Oh, I think I might know that one. That's a yeah, real like do. twangy country slow song. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to Dearborn, Michigan. Mm, Okay. I've heard of Dearborn, Michigan. Haven't been. Would like to. Yeah. This guy named Jarrett Betterson. What's his last name? Butterson? Betterson. Yeah. Betterson. And his first name is Jarrett. J-A-R-R-E-T-T. I heard it. I was going to let it slide, but I heard it. Yeah. Well, I wanted to let you know because I don't want you to think that I am mispronouncing Garrett or Jared this whole episode. (laughs) The guy's name is mispronounced. You know, it's misspelled. (laughs) All right. So So, this is where this is why you get called judgy. Wow. So Jared Betterson and his girlfriend, Susan Klingle, are riding in a car with their two year old daughter, Nicole. How do you spell Nicole Klingle? Well, her name is Nicole Betterson. Her mom's last name is Klingle. Her dad's last name is Betterson. Okay. So how did she spell with Nicole? With a N I K O L E. Yeah. Yeah. It's like spelling Erica with a K, huh? Yeah. It's just wrong. Just feels wrong. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay. Back to the story. So Jared Betterson and his girlfriend, Susan Klingle, are riding in the car with their daughter, Nicole Betterson. She's two years old. They get in a pretty major car crash. And Jared and the baby, Nicole, are fine. They're not injured at all. But Susan is ejected from the car and dies at the scene. Whoa. Wow. That's big time. Yeah. And when the police came to investigate the scene of the accident, they found marijuana in the car. Mm. Big no-no for this for 77. Yeah, and the couple newspaper articles that I could find about this case from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and the LA Times said that the investigators really wanted to charge him with vehicular homicide, but the accident investigation was a little bit sloppy, so they weren't able to. Well, lawless land. Of course it was a little bit sloppy. Like, they don't have body cams or anything yet. Yeah, so, but... The point of that is that they think that this crash was his fault because he was high. Yeah. Well, we don't recommend driving in high end. Yeah. So at the time of the accident, Susan and Jarrett were not living together. They did have a two-year-old daughter, but they weren't 
like living together. Where were each of them living? And who had who had the daughter? She had the daughter. And it's not very clear where each of them were living. And it doesn't really matter to the story. I just want you to know they weren't living together. Oh, okay. The reason that I told you that is because Nicole spent a lot of time with her grandparents, Susan's parents, the Klingles. Okay. And that could have been because Susan was young. She was only 21 when she died. 20 or 21 when she died in that car accident. Oh, wow. Really, yeah. really young. Yes. After the accident, she still spent a lot of time with her grandparents because I don't think Jared was, like, the best dad. We don't know for sure, but it seems like she spent more time with her grandparents. And they were happy to take care of her because she was all they had left of their daughter who was dead. That's, yeah. I can only imagine, but, like, that seems right. I would want to hang out with the person most closely to that person as well. Yeah. Plus, they didn't get along with Jared. Well, yeah. I mean, his name's Jared, so. Yeah. Well, he says that they didn't get along because he was black and they were racist. Oh. But the Klingle said that it's not because he was black. It was because he was kind of a piece of shit. He just wasn't around or not a good partner or anything like that. Yeah. And I mean, he was eight years older than her. And oh, yeah. He oh, got her gosh. pregnant at 18. Yeah. And they say that he got her into the drug lifestyle, that he introduced her to a drug lifestyle. I don't know about that, but anyone that much older hanging out with an 18 year old like that's there's there's something fishy about that immediately. Yeah. Plus, I mean, he literally just killed their daughter in a car accident. So if they didn't like him before, they hated him now. Yeah, there's that, too. So either way, she spends the first few months after her mom's death, a lot of that that time with her grandparents until Christmas. So the accident was in September and now we're in December of 1977. Jarrett shows up with his new girlfriend, Barbara. Apparently after only dating for obviously two months because their daughter only died in September. Right. Yeah. They decided that Jared and Barbara decided that they wanted to settle down and start a family, but they didn't want to do it in Michigan. They wanted to do it out west, like in California or Vegas or somewhere warmer. I often hear that from people in the Midwest or east, like they want to go west. Yeah. But the math isn't really mathing here with the new girlfriend, just so we're clear about that. Well, I mean, it kind of crosses over, you mean? Yeah, like two months and you're already ready to like move out of state and settle down and start a family. Seems like a lot, but we'll see. It does seem like a lot, but some people move really fast, so. Yeah, and they do promise the Klingles, like Barbara comes with him to see them and promises them that she will take care of Nicole as if she was her own daughter. She's like, I'm going to love her. I'm going to raise her like she's my own. I promise, you know. Yeah, definitely not any more comforting, but- no. I mean, of course not. you're taking their their only child's you know daughter away. Yeah. And they're between a rock and a hard place because they don't have legal custody of her. He's her dad, you know, totally. so if he wants yeah. to take her, it is what it is. So they're pretty sad and angry and scared and apprehensive, but the, what can they do? So they wish him the best of luck and they say a teary goodbye and they figure that when they get settled in California or Vegas, wherever they're going, that they'll contact him. Like, they'll write them or call them or, you know, let them know what's going on with Nicole. Yeah. Um, But they don't ever call or write. They just leave and the Klingles never hear from them again. Just fall off the face of the planet, which, I mean, that could definitely happen in 77. Yeah. You could move somewhere else and become a whole different person. Totally. And that's what they figured Jarrett did, was that he moved them to Vegas and then started a family, started a life, and he didn't want Nicole to have anything to do with Susan's parents because they didn't get along. So they figured that 
you know, she was living a good life and that maybe when she was an adult and her dad wasn't keeping her from them, that they could have some kind of relationship. So this goes on for years. And then in 1997, so 20 years later, the Klingles decide that that they need to hire a PI because Nicole has never gotten in contact with them. And so they figure at this point she's an adult, so she can choose if she wants to have a relationship with them or not. You know, Jared can't keep her from them forever is what they're thinking. Yeah. I mean, I would I'd be thinking the same thing. And I'm sure that was a hard decision for them, too, because when she left when she was two, if him and Barbara did raise her as their own, like she may not even know that Barbara's not her mother. Yeah. Really good point. Yeah. Really good point. I didn't really think about that. But I mean, at two, you totally could kind of switch that out. Yeah, but they're getting older and they just want to know, you know, how her life turned out and they want to know their granddaughter. So Absolutely. So they hire this PI and the PI tracks them down rather quickly in Las Vegas, you know, because of the dumb spelling of his name. It was like pretty (laughs) easy to track him down. (laughs) There's probably not many. Yeah. She finds out that him and Barbara did get married. They're still married. They're living in a really run down part of Vegas in like a pretty dilapidated section of town but the pi doesn't find any record of nicole living with them what yeah well she's 22 like no kid at a- oh okay that's true all right yeah so she tries to track down nicole she's like okay well she left home obviously home wasn't like the beaver cleaver situation i mean they're living in a really bad part of town so she tries to track down nicole she looks into vegas school records and can't find her anywhere So then she tracks down like employment records, anything public that her name should be on and nothing. There's no record of Nicole Betterson in Vegas anywhere. So are they thinking that she's going by a different name or they're not living in Vegas or she's dead? Like, yes, they went through all of those things. The living by a different name was the first thing they thought of because they were like, well, maybe they just wanted to start a new life. They changed her name. I don't know. But when she looks into it farther, there is no record of the Bettersons ever having any children. None. Oh, really? Yeah. Even him? Correct. Now- I mean, how do you get that wiped from the record? <laughs> Not because I need to know because I have a kid coming, just in general. I, like, how does that happen? Well, there was a record of Nicole in Michigan, but there's no record of them ever having any children in Vegas, like Nicole or oh. any other children. Like, oh. they didn't change her name and then raise her as Stephanie or something. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So fishy as fuck. This P.I. is yeah. like, what the 100%. hell? So she calls the Las Vegas Metro Police Department and she tells them like, hey, these people have a kid, but they don't like something is going on here. There's something wrong. Their daughter's missing. And, you know, the Vegas police and how much they love to deal with 22 year old missing girls. (laughs) Yeah, it's their favorite because Vegas isn't like the most highly trafficked area in the entire world. Yeah, well, it's bad for business if people find out that 22-year-old girls go missing here. I mean, to make it public, sure. I mean, because I think everybody knows that that's happening. People just turn a blind eye to it because it's like, yeah, well, nothing, whatever. Not me. Because somebody's making money. Anyway. Absolutely. That's the root of all of this stuff. Yep. But either way, it lands on the desk of a detective that actually put like the bare minimum of effort into it, which is nice. I mean, that's what you should expect, but- You don't here in Vegas, so at least he did the bare minimum. And when he did this little bit of research that he did, he found out that the only record of Nicole ever being in Las Vegas was her Social Security Survivor Benefits check. 
Oh, dude, the social security part, like that, we need to keep that for no other reason but to keep finding people. I mean, that's how they found Samuel Little, too. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So because Susan, her birth mother, died when she was two, Nicole got her social security survivor benefits check until her 18th birthday. And this detective finds out that this check was picked up every single month for 16 years in Las Vegas. Wow. Wow. You know, this is before direct deposit. So you had to like go to either the welfare office or the post office, wherever it went to. You had to go pick it up. I thought they'd mail it to you, but. Yeah. No, well, if your address isn't super stable, then you probably have to pick it up. Mm, oh, dang. You are good at this. I didn't think about that. Yes. So the checks were cashed in Vegas until four years before this, when Nicole would have been 18. So by this point, that detective is kind of invested. He's like, all right, something's fucked up here. He decides to keep going, and he checks the DMV, police, welfare, CPS, all the records where somebody's name could be, and especially the ones that the PI didn't have access to. He checks all these records, and he comes up with nothing. There is no other record of Nicole ever being in Las Vegas. So... Well, I guess you're going to answer some of these questions that I'm having, but all right, keep going. Cause we got to figure out <laughs> who's picking it up, where this chick is, yeah. what's going on. Yeah. So the PI and the detective at this point are pretty sure that the Bettersons never brought Nicole to Vegas. Something happened between wow. Michigan and Vegas in 1977 and she never made it here, but they don't have any proof of that. It's just like a gut feeling. Well, it's starting to mount pretty good proof, right? Like, Yeah. Someone's picking up checks. They can't find this girl. Yep, totally. Yeah, something's about to get figured out. Well, I guess not because we're doing this case. Right. From what I know, it's unsolved. So, Well, because they don't have any proof, this detective comes up with a plan. He decided to just knock on their door and say, hey, remember your daughter, Nicole? I know what happened. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. His plan is to just go to their door and say, I know what happened and- If you confess, that would be the smartest way to handle this, and I'll go lenient on you. Oh, wow. So he's just going straight at it. Yeah. I like it. Let's do it. Yeah, well, this is not a great plan, turns out. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, one, because he doesn't have the authority to go lenient on anybody. That's not up to him. I was was thinking that, but I was kind of like, maybe I missed something. You know how I am. So um, I was like, maybe I missed something. But yeah, I didn't think a private eye could do... Anything but call the cops himself. No, this is the cops. This is the detective. Oh, see, I told you I was going to miss something. Yeah, this is the detective that has this plan to just knock on the door and say, I know what happened. So, But detectives don't have that authority to go lenient on anybody. They arrest people and then the DA has that authority, not the police. Oh, gotcha. But in his defense, he doesn't have anything else. I mean, he has no proof that they did anything to Nicole. He has no probable cause to bust down their door, like nothing. So this is the plan he came up with. So, I mean, he could have just ignored this like they do most missing person cases. So, at le- I mean, at least he's doing something. Yeah, it's true. I mean, a lot of times you just kind of sweep it under the rug. So especially a 20 year old case that we don't even know for sure that this girl's missing. Like most Vegas police de- detectives would have just been like, ah, it's Not a priority. Thank you. So at least he's got a plan. So he goes to the Bettersons' apartment sometime around the beginning of November 1997. 
That date's important. Remember that. Beginning of November 1997. 1997. I don't know. Probably sync was at the number one spot then. Well, we're done with the song, but I'm just saying remember that date. <laughs> it's okay. impo- These next like three things that I tell you are going to be important, the order of things. So I just want you to remember that. Should I take notes? No. Okay. So he goes to their apartment beginning of November 1997. All right. Jarrett, spelled wrong, answers the door <laughs> in a wheelchair. Okay. And Barbara is clearly in bad shape too. She's taken a lot of medication. She's got chronic illness. It's not a good scene. And it's kind of shocking because they're only 49 and 50 years old. They're not like elderly. It's also surprising that they're still together. Yeah. But life has been tough on them, clearly. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, Jared explains that he's in a wheelchair because he was in a bus accident. Do we know if he was hit by the bus or he hit a bus or... No, I hope he was hit by the bus, but I think he was just (laughs) on the bus when it crashed. But that's, it doesn't matter. Okay. The detective gives him his whole master plan, you know, his big bluff about knowing what happened to Nicole and that they should be honest and make their sentence lighter. You know, he gives their his whole thing. But Jared and Barbara don't say anything. They say they're going to cooperate, but they need a couple days and they would contact him. So he leaves. I mean, there's nothing else he could do. He doesn't have an arrest warrant. He doesn't have a search warrant. He doesn't have anything. He was just hoping they'd talk to him. And... Probably assuming they're not going to call him. Yes, but they do call him. Wow. Yes, four days goes by. No surveillance, no phone taps, you know, nothing like that. They're not keeping tabs on them or anything. They just, detective goes back to work, and then four days later, he gets a call from Jarrett. He doesn't tell him what happened to Nicole. He doesn't even give them a hint of what happened to Nicole. He just tells them that he needs, like, another week or ten days to get in contact with Nicole because they lost contact with her. So he says he needs another 10 days to get in contact with her, and then he he would give him her contact info. That's a very specific amount of time. If you have someone's number, you call them and hope that they call you back soon or the next day. Yeah. Not just, hey, in 10 days, like, we'll have all this figured out. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they hang up and he's like, ah, that guy's, I mean, I think he's giving me the runaround. It's like, yeah, duh. Yeah, duh. But either way, there's nothing he could do. He doesn't have any proof of anything. So, I mean, there's a ton of things he could do, but he doesn't do them. Jared doesn't call after 10 days. Nothing happens. So around Thanksgiving, so the third week of November, this detective calls Jared back to be like, hey, 10 days is up, bud. What's going on? And surprise, surprise, nobody answers the phone. Yeah, that would have been my guess. Yeah, because they just like needed 10 days to get their shit together to get the fuck out of town. (laughs) Right. Right. Like it's a very specific amount of time. You can't just tell someone like, hey, in 10 days, I'm going to talk to this person like. Yeah, no, they're gone. That makes no sense. Yeah, they're they're definitely in the wind. So on December 1st, the Bettersons, not shockingly, didn't pay their rent. <laughs> yeah, because they're not there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> so the apartment manager puts like notices on the door, like eviction notices, immediately, like December 2nd, which means you know that's not the first time they haven't paid their rent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're familiar. Meanwhile, the detective goes on vacation, holiday break, you know, Christmas break. So no more follow-ups or anything. He's just like, yeah, I'll deal with that in January. But on December 22nd, after three weeks of them not taking the eviction notices off the front door and not contacting the apartment manager, the apartment manager decides to just go in and clean the place out because they obviously just boned out. Yeah, I think that's a smart move. Yeah. So he goes in, and in the apartment, he finds Barbara. Oh. Lying on the bed. Oh. Bible in one hand, 
cross in the other hand. Okay. And there was a red rose on her chest. And underneath the red rose, there was two bullet holes. Ooh, okay. Turns out she was shot twice in the chest with a twenty-two rifle. Uh, wow. But no signs of a struggle or anything. It almost seemed like she just laid there while somebody shot her. I mean, Jarrett shot her, right? Like, I'm even thinking maybe like that was kind of their plan. Like, if they ever got found out, he would kill her and he'd go on the run. But, I mean... I don't think him being in a wheelchair was part of their plan either, so... Right, right. Well, it turns out Jarrett's in the other room with a blanket over him, and he had shot himself in the head. What? Yes. So they were both dead in the apartment for weeks. Oh, that's awful to go into. Yeah, Um, but that's why no rent on December 1st. They likely had killed themselves when the police started zeroing in, you know, especially maybe around that phone call around Thanksgiving. Yeah, Probably. And then, you know, probably said, give me, give us 10 days to get everything they needed to in order, whatever that was. Yeah. And <laughs> was there a 10 day cooling period for a gun then? Maybe that's what it was. Oh, could have been. Yeah. I don't know. But we will find out some of the stuff that they did in that 10 days because it's a little bit crazy what they did. But crazier yet is that this detective didn't find out about this until January when he came back from holiday. I thought this was going to end there. It doesn't end there with them dead and us not knowing anything else. Well, yeah, kind of, but there's a little oh. bit more to the story. Oh, well, wonderful. Yeah. Please give me more. I I don't love when they're not solved. Yeah. Well, after this detective finds out about this in January and they contact Jarrett and Barbara's family, you know, to find out like, hey, do you any of you have Nicole? I don't know. Maybe that would have should have been a first phone call, but whatever. Um, They find out that Jarrett's mom got a letter at the beginning of December in the mail. Oh, I didn't know she was still in the picture. We didn't say anything about her. So I figured she just kind of wasn't. She was either dead or not around. You're right. It is kind of weird because she wasn't around. Because when Jared and Barbara went to Vegas in 1977 with Nicole, they never contacted Susan's parents again. But they also never contacted their own families ever again. Oh. Yeah. So his mother has not heard from him in over 20 years. I was not expecting that twist. Yeah. And then she gets this letter at the beginning of December and it's not from Jared. It's from Barbara, who she technically shouldn't even really know. They were dating for two months before they left for California. That we know about. Right. Either way, they weren't married or anything when they left for Vegas. And they never talked to their families again. So it's like she didn't even really know his mom, or at least they couldn't have been that close. Yeah. I mean, but again, we don't really know where he found her. So maybe they grew up together. Maybe she did know him. Maybe it was a church together. Whatever. But that, I mean, hearing from her out of the blue, though, I mean, probably some of the last people she was expecting to hear from. Yeah. Okay. So what does the letter say? I am so anxious to know. Okay. So it says, we've tried to follow God. Now it's time for him to judge us. Oh. By the time you read this... We should be dead. Jared is about to go to jail, and I don't want to live without him. I'm sorry about living apart from our family. I'm sorry about so many things. We've had a sad and difficult life. Go to your Bibles to seek peace. Please forgive us for all of the wounds we have put in your hearts with our tragic and youthful blunders. That's weird. Uh Uh-huh. Like, very ominous. Obviously, something happened. Still doesn't mention Nicole. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we we can realize he killed her. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I wish it wasn't so, but I think that's the most likely scenario. Yeah, but there's so many things about this letter that are just, like, really awkward. Okay, so when the mom got this letter... What did she do next? Because I think I would have called the police right away. I mean, it says that they should be dead. So what did she do? I guess nothing. What? 
then how do we know about the letter? Because after they found them dead, weeks after they were dead, and they contacted their family, his mom was like, oh, yeah, I got this weird letter here. Oh, wow. So what I'm assuming is one of two things, and I could be wrong on both. It's an assumption. But maybe the letter didn't have a return address, so the mother didn't know who to call. Because there's nothing in the letter that says that they're in Vegas. But there would at least be a postmark on it. See, I thought that too. But even if there was a postmark, you know, maybe the mom was just like, oh, fuck these guys. I haven't heard from them in 20 years. And then they send me this weird ass letter. Like, who knows? You know, I, I think that's a really good thought too. I think some people, like we grew up with really good families who cared about us, wanted to know where we are. But I think some people... Or I know some people don't. And so maybe that is what it is. Maybe she was like, yeah. I don't care. I haven't heard from him. I don't give a shit about these people. Like, so yeah, yeah that could absolutely be be right. Yeah. The only other thing too that I I did read was that she passed away in nineteen ninety seven or nineteen ninety-nine, which was only a couple of years after this. So maybe she was extremely elderly and she just didn't know what to do when she got that letter. Yeah. You know, maybe she's just like, oh, that's weird. Or maybe she was dementia, something, you know. I don't know, but she didn't call the police because they found out from the apartment manager. Yeah, that is, that is, yeah, that really is interesting. Yeah, and then another interesting thing about that letter is it doesn't say what they did to Nicole. Like, even their suicide note was, woe is me and all about me and super selfish and we had a hard life. Yeah. We had a sad and difficult life. It's like, yeah, it was self-inflicted, idiot. Well, yeah. I mean, I was going to yeah. say, well, the his wife dying wasn't, but if he was high behind the wheel, then you know, kind of is. Yeah. And then whatever happened to Nicole and them not talking about it, it's like, dude, it's all self-inflicted. Just like when she says tragic and youthful blunders. At first, you're like, okay, so you're kind of implying that it was like a mistake because you were young. But I'm sorry, they were fucking 30 when they took Nicole and left for Vegas. I don't feel like you get to use the, well, first of all, I don't feel like if ever you lose or kill a child, that's not a blunder. That's, you're an idiot. That's worse or than an that, asshole. but. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. But you can't blame youthful blunder. Like, you weren't a youth. You were 30. I don't know. I felt like I was still quite the youth when I was 30. But you would um, never kill a child. Well, no, I certainly wouldn't do that. Yeah. But it sounds like she didn't, but he did. And I wonder... Yeah, but this bitch knew what happened. She was with him. Yeah. 100%. You're right. I'm sorry. I don't have any... I, that's almost worse. No. I, I have no sympathy for her either. Yeah. It's like, you know what happened to this little girl and could close this out for everybody and you just take it to your grave. I don't know. It pissed me off. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, this will probably never be solved because of that. Oh, yeah. Totally. Just what I love. An unsolved murder that can never be solved. Right up my <laughs> There's alley. a little bit more to this, though. <laughs> Oh, really? Man, yeah. I thought we were done. Okay, well, hey, let's keep going. I'll shut up. Yeah, so this letter also contained a $900 money order. To his mom? Yes, with instructions for it to be used for their cremation. Like, they paid uh, for their own cremation. Wow. And they asked for their ashes to be mixed together in the same urn. And it was fucking granted. Is that because they were never, like, convicted of anything? So, like, they're I essentially- guess regular citizens i mean they were accused i mean i guess because this wish was granted and they're they were cremated and they're at the palms mortuary in las vegas i don't know that kind of pissed me off i'm like i'm sorry if that's your wish then i'm going to take your ashes well first of all i'm not going to cremate you because that's what you wanted so i'm not doing that and then i'm going to take your bodies i'm going to bury one of you in new york and one of you in california so you're as far <laughs> like i'm not doing anything you ask 
But anyway, yeah. rant over. They did it. So meanwhile, back in their apartment, no other suicide letters were found besides that one that was mailed to his mom. But there was a note taped to the refrigerator that just apologized to the apartment manager for the mess that they left. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, at least there's that, right? Like, they, they didn't. All this is about how bad they are and what wrong they've done. I know, but it's like, I mean, if you're going to do that, why would you do that in the open? Now that guy's got to deal with it. Like, go, do that's, you know how much desert that, is here? Like, yeah, go that's out a whole in the other desert. Thing too. For sure. Absolutely. Let the birds eat you. I know when people are in that mindset, they're not thinking clearly. I know that. In my head, I know that. I just, I hate these people so much for dipping out like this and not saying what they did. Like, just. At this point, everybody knows. Just say what happened. Anyway, so after they find this note on the fridge, then they also search for any trace of what they did to Nicole or any trace of Nicole ever existing, you know, and they find nothing. Not a birth certificate, not a finger painting, not a picture of her, nothing in their apartment that would ever indicate that Nicole was ever even a human being. That's what's wild, right? Like something happened on the way there, whether it was intentional or not. Something happened. Yes. The only thing that they found of Jared's life before Vegas, you know, with Susan and and Nicole, was one single folder that had Susan's death certificate, um, a couple of pictures of him and Susan together, and then the accident report from the night she died. And that was it. Nothing about Nicole. Not Nicole's birth certificate. Nothing. I'm just, uh, yeah. I'm trying to just wrap my head around all of this. Like, they've got no trace of this little girl, which, I mean, at this point, I get, but, like... Yeah. The only two people who know what happened are dead, so... That's also enough for the Vegas police to be like, oh, good. We're just going to give up on that one. (laughs) Well, chuck that one up unsolved. Yeah. I mean, they did give like a statement that they're pretty convinced that she's likely dead and that she's been dead since 1977. So and because everybody else is dead in this case, they're just like, well, that's that's all we know. Sorry. You know, (laughs) that's all we know. But it's that can't do attitude that will be the reason that this case is always unsolved. Well, I mean, there's also not very much evidence to, like, figure it out either. Yeah, but that attitude Vegas is famous for. Yeah, the mob mentality. Yes. Which brings us to... Fearland! Yep. Obviously, the main theory, and the one that's probably the most likely, is that Jared and or Barbara killed her on their way from Michigan to Nevada at some point. Yes. Either by accident or abuse or just because they wanted her social security checks but didn't want a kid. Yeah. Uh, I hate to think that a father just killed his kid just because he didn't want the responsibility of that. Especially because she had grandparents who were fully willing to raise her. Yeah. And it doesn't really add up too, right? That like he wanted her so bad to, unless it was for the money, but I would assume what, however the killing happened. And I do think he killed her. Alleg- can I, I don't have to say allegedly, right? He's dead. We're fine with that. Yeah. And he wrote the uh, suicide cool. note or yeah, his wife true. did that. I mean, that it's pretty obvious that they did something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he set out like to leave and kill her or if it happened along, it just happened along the way, but Right. Yeah, something definitely went down. Yeah, you would like to think that it was either an accident or, I mean, even abuse gone too far. You wouldn't, I certainly don't want to think that he pre-planned this just to get her social security checks. And then he's like, oh, I'm just going to get rid of her. It's like, that's crazy. But she also was only two. So it is possible that she made it to Vegas with them. And then something happened to her at some point before 1980 when she should have started school. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's not much records of... of kids before they start school. Yeah. 
100%. Yeah, I don't think she ever went to school, but... No, she didn't. But that's what I'm saying. She could have technically made it to Las Vegas with them. And then subsequently something happened to her before she should have started school. But I just, I think it's unlikely. I think it happened pretty quickly. So another big theory besides that they killed her or accidentally killed her or something is that they sold her oh shit i hate that thought i didn't even think about that yeah but i mean there is a lot of speculation that he had drug problems i mean the only drugs they ever knew for sure was that he had weed in the car during that accident but susan's parents said that he got her into the drug lifestyle so we don't know if he had other drug addictions and judging by the way him and barbara were living in vegas it wouldn't be surprising no it wouldn't so maybe they sold her into sex trafficking for drug money or maybe they just sold her straight up for drugs or best case scenario they sold her to a family or a couple that wanted a baby and couldn't afford like a legit adoption you know they sold her into some kind of (sighs) oh that Damn. Yeah. That would be like one of the only ways that she would still be alive is if they sold her to a family who wanted a child. So the other probability, which is how I actually found this case, was that she could be a Jane Doe that was already found a long time ago and buried under Jane Doe. Oh, I didn't think about that either. Wow. There's a lot. Those are all really good possibilities, too. I mean, we'll never know, but. Yeah. Genetic genealogy would be a really good way that we could solve this, except that her mother died in 1977, and then her father died in 1997, and he was cremated. I don't know if her mother was cremated, but her father certainly was, and then they mixed his ashes together with that Barbara bitch. So so they're not going to be able to get her parents' DNA is what I'm saying. So even if she is a Jane Doe in the system, there may not be DNA to match it to. Her dad was never arrested and like has prints or blood on file or anything like that? No, he died in 1997 before they were even doing that. Oh. Yeah. CODIS didn't start until 2002. But fingerprints from criminals started like well before Yeah, but what is fingerprints going to do for DNA? What do his fingerprints matter? Yeah, probably nothing. So now they take blood samples because of the DNA part of it? They didn't do that before either? No, correct. Both of her parents are gone, so- Unless there's other family members, like on her mom's side or her dad's side, that have given DNA samples. I don't know if genetic genealogy would even match her to a Jane Doe. And that's only if it's a Jane Doe who has DNA on file. Because if she was found in the 70s and they buried her without taking her DNA, you know. But that's how I found this case was the St. Louis Jane Doe, the case that we did last week of the little girl who was decapitated in the abandoned apartment building. Yeah. That was in 1983, and that little girl was 7 to 11 years old. So, I mean, it could have been her. It's unlikely that it was her because... It is unlikely, yeah. You know, she went missing in 77, but the ages would line up. By 83, she would have been like 7 or 8 years old. I'd like to think that she was probably sold and is living a happy, healthy life and just doesn't know it. Yeah, and she might not ever know it. Because even if she took an ancestry DNA test, her name is profile does not show that there's DNA from family members on file. It doesn't say that there's not, but it doesn't specifically say that DNA is on file. So they may never know. If she was alive today, she'd be like in her mid 40s. Yeah. Wow. Dude, yeah. that one was crazy. There was lots of twists and turns in there. So if you do have any info on Nicole, she like I said, she'd be in her mid 40s. She's a biracial woman. 
She's half black, half white, and that's pretty much all we know of her. I mean, she was two when she went missing, so it's not like they... I mean, there is a picture of her on NamUs, but I mean, I don't look like I did when I was two, so... I mean, I don't think the picture is going to help, but if you do have any information... You can call the Las Vegas Metro Police Department at 702-828-3111. Although there's no current investigator on the case because, you know. <laughs> there's nothing to investigate? Yeah, so you might as well just call me if you think you know. <laughs> I do think that's probably the best case scenario is just call Erica always. That's really, if if Christine's not available, that's what I do. I call you anyway, so yeah. Yeah, 100%. or the PI that the Klingles hired, she may still be on the case. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Still call us and uh, we'll get you in touch. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, because everybody dropped the ball and Jared and Barbara are dickheads, we may never know what happened to Nicole. I would doubt that we ever will. But hopefully we do, because I would love to find out. You know how much I love a solved crime. Yeah. So. Well, no, I mean, I didn't. I don't have a joke, though, because, you know, ever since they said you start, or sound like an owl, I didn't want to like do anything. What? Well, ever since they said you sound like an owl, I didn't want to, you know, come up with one. Who? <laughs> gotcha. All right. I love oh, you. Oh, stupid. I walked into that. That was dumb. <laughs> I realized what's going on now. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty close. That wasn't crime related, though. <laughs> I I know. That was the only downside to that joke was it wasn't yeah, crime that related. Me off but, guard. but I did know that you would say who. And when you said what just now, I went, do it one more time. She'll say who. <laughs> All right. I love you. I love you too. I'll call <laughs> right, you later. Bye. All right. Bye. bye. This podcast has been a production of Orange Halo Media LLC, hosted by Grant and Erica. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. To chat with us, go to From Crime to Crime on Instagram, From Crime to Crime on TikTok, From Crime the Number Two Crime on Twitter, or you can visit our website at FromCrime2Crime.com. See you next Wednesday.